arrived at the prince or knight of discogals, prince of the chariot of earth, prince and emperor of the gnomes, the slowest prince of all. If Sleeping Beauty were waiting for this prince, she'd still be waiting. (laughs) (laughs) What is he? He represents the uh, airy part of earth. Yeah, so maybe we could um, do that thing where we compare him to his opposite, the earthy part of air or the princess of swords so yeah so when something has airy qualities i guess we would say that they're penetrating they are mobile Mm -hmm. so and i always think of you know air in terms of the mind Mm -hmm. and thought abstract really yeah so air of earth is the mind inclined to matter or practical pursuits whereas earth of air it's more the fixed qualities of the mind. Yeah, the the earth of air is like a the stability of mental effort. You know, this we often. Yeah, I think we talked in the princess or page of swords about how stubborn she yep. was. The fixation <laughs> of the volatile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we also talked about her sort of relationship to the demons of the mind and to meditation. So mind control generally. Mm. Um, her mind body, yeah, because yeah. the earth element having a lot to do with the body and the air element having to do with the mind. Yeah, understanding the sort of basis of how the mind works, I think, is something that, um, and it's something that we sort of associated. She's with, like an astral form too, you know, what with I the mean? astral realm yeah. and the ability to the kind of magical to do list avatar of the mind, whereas he's thinking about actual things on Earth, you the know, actual, right? Like, the, making stuff work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think, was it, uh, I don't know who said this, Crowley probably, the science of drawing forth fruit from the land mm-hmm. I have. Yep. Yeah, so there's that, like, you know, we talked about how the the king or knight might have come up with the idea of the manure spreader, but this is the guy who's going to clean it and make sure it keeps working. I think there's definitely a quality of looking forward and backwards with him, you know, that those qualities of worry and, you know, the, the ability to anticipate the thing that will go wrong Mm -hmm. and to prevent it, you know, is something that's part of his nature. We were talking about in two earlier episodes, how all these earth court cards, they kind of start to sound alike, but mm-hmm. you have to you have to think about, well, what's different about them, you know? So we talked about how the mm-hmm. knight, being the mutable sign, is responding to things. The queen is more passively gestating things. and But then, also initiating. And also being an initiator yeah. as a yeah, cardinal yeah. sign. But then we have this fixed sign, which, okay, fixity 
it's really stable. It's but you also can look at it as the combination of the two qualities of the parents into one. So he has the mobility and the responsiveness, but he also has the solidity of purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's true. I mean, like if you think of the knight as um, mutable, knight king as mutable. He's, you know, I mentioned him being the initiator of ideas, which is a kingly quality although we've talked about that as being a cardinal quality, but he's also the gatherer in of the harvest, mm-hmm. the one who has to end the cycle. And the queen, of course, has that cardinal quality of starting things, but she also is receptive. So they kind of blend beginning and ending qualities, whereas this guy's right, in, right the in the middle. in the middle of growing season. Right, yeah. and it's up to him to keep everything moving. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the one, if the wheel on the cart breaks, he's the one who has to fix it. So uh, fixed earth is his modality and his element. I always think of that story of the, well, the mutable fixed and cardinal signs trying to get around the boulder. And he's the one who like drills the hole for seven years until he gets through the boulder <laughs> rather than yeah. jumping on top or going around. There's a uh, an ability to stick with things and press forward no matter what. But he's also one of the other qualities of this sign is its fertility, for sure. Um, We're going to talk about the bull a lot, I think, in this episode. (laughs) Well, that's kind of what makes them all seem so similar, is they all have so much to do with fertility. It's like, come on. (laughs) But this is like the season of May Day. Yes. The cross-quarter holiday of Beltan. And, you know, with... The sexy six of discs. The sexy six, Exactly. So we're talking about the 20 to 29 degrees of Aries, Aries third decan through first two decans of Taurus, zero to 19 degrees. And I think that there's a feeling between those, so that shift from Aries to Taurus, I think of like the, the four of wands feels like that. Um, magnetic attraction between the sexes or between, you know, that draws mm-hmm. two people together to want to create something. And then the five and six is sort of the act of creation itself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the emperor's sort of, um, testosterone, <laughs> uh, and then giving way to the hierophant's lock and key. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's so, it's always funny thinking about the hierophant because, those decans that he's associated with are such sex-obsessed decans or sex-focused decans. And whereas the hierophant is not something that a lot of people think of as being related to that. And yet in esoterics, we're constantly thinking about the marriage of heaven and earth as male and female as, you know, those two poles. It's all about sex. It just happens to be a spiritual form of it. (laughs) To know yeah. God. Exactly. <laughs> In the biblical sense. Yeah. And, you know, like it or not, that yeah. is a part of the tradition. The ecstatic worship of God is tied up with human sexuality in a way. It's just that human sexuality is a lot larger than we normally define it to be. Hmm. Just thinking about sort of that transition from fire to earth that we've been seeing in yep. these cards, we had the transition from fixed fire in Leo to mutable, mutable earth. earth in Virgo. So that was the the night king of discs. And then we had the mutable fire going to cardinal earth in the queen of discs. And here we have 
cardinal fire going to fixed earth in the Prince Knight of Discs. But in all of these stories, we have sort of uh, questions of, you know, that burning effort (laughs) changing to something uh, more generative, something that's about creating, uh, creating life rather than that sort of first fiery impulse. Here we're going from like the the idea of the uh, whatever it is the fuse that drives the flower. How do you say that? The green, the green, the green fuse. The force that drives the green fuse dri- through the flo- flower drives <laughs> my red blood. We haven't even had a beer yet. <laughs> hey, did you say it again? The, the force-, force that through the green fuse drives the flower drives my red blood something like right, that right something like that so we're going from that sort of fiery impulse of life to the actual like flowering and fruiting of the thing that yep. is going to sustain and nourish life once you capture and kill it <laughs> yeah harvested from blood to bodies yeah and it's a, it's a spring card so mm-hmm. which seems appropriate being um you know associated the hierophant associated with the east and the rising sun and the Forces of spring and that time of year. We've got the Belt Beltane holiday and the Earth Day uh, manufactured holiday. <laughs> yes, that point where things quicken, I guess, is one way to look at it. Which includes we're at that midpoint between the equinox and the solstice. Yes, when the light is either gaining or the light is equal or decreasing to the darkness. At the, at at the, the equinox, equinox, and now we have the cross quarter. So yes, it's depending on which hemisphere which way you're going. in. It's, it's either, either it's either growing or shrinking, but it's on the move, one way or another. The sun is heading towards its northernmost point, which it will be, mm. whether you're in north or south hemisphere, uh, at the solstice, uh, April 11th to May 10th ish. The Miners associated with it are the Lord of Completion, Four of Wands, the Lord of Worry, and the Lord of Success, Five and Six of Discs. Yeah, that's an interesting progression. So we've got the um, the Completion card, you know, that Aries, Ven- Aries, Mars, Aries and Venus um, mm-hmm. kind of love and war kind of thing, that, that Venusian drawing to itself kind of reminds me of the, um, the fertility rite where they would have couples go and do it in the fields kind of thing. And <laughs> yeah. then the next one, the next two cards, the five and six of discs are like the five of discs is maybe the, you know, the worry that the harvest won't come in and the six of discs is like, Oh no, it's going to, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Actually, you know, five, six and seven of discs kind of remind me of the three trimesters, you know, the morning sickness and then the golden trimester where everything's great and you start glowing. And then the seven one where you're just exhausted and heavy. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So, you know, just in the same way with the queen, we went from a Saturn ruled Deccan into a Saturn ruled sign. Here we're going from a Venus ruled Deccan, Venus Mm, and Aries, into into a Venus Venus ruled sign. sign. So there's a real Venusian influence throughout this this set of three cards, four of wands, five and six of discs. It's no surprise that, you know, it's such an emphasis on procreation, fertility. Mm. Also interesting is that, you know, we're coming from the sort of connection of Venus and Mars and Venus and Aries and the Four of Wands. So she goes from like the room, her room in Aries, in Mars's day palace to her own castle, going from having just governing just one aspect of the sign to governing the whole sign itself. And there's something like that to me. It's sort of like, 
you know, that, that moment when you, the moment when you first feel attraction for another person is something that I recognize in the four of wands. And I think Austin said in 36 Faces that that moment happens under stressful circumstances, you know, like, for example, it's the charisma that binds people together in times of war or creates fellowship uh, in under pressure, mm-hmm. under heated conditions, mm-hmm. or like the hippie putting the rose in the rifle barrel. You know, there's this the persistence of the will to connect inside a conflictual environment. And then that five and six of this is sort of the opening up and blossoming of that into something more permanent. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I wrote a note to myself about those uh, transitions from fire to earth and those three court cards. So in the Night King, we had turning martial effort in the Seven of Wands uh, into sort of dedicated the works of peace. So there's that line in um, in the Orphic Hymn where it, it says, exchange your martial works to the works of Demeter, yes. Erga Tadeu. And so that's what I see in the mm-hmm. Seven of Wands to Eight and nine of discs one. And then in the queen cards, we have the 10 of wands going to the two and three of discs. I saw that as sort of being like the speed, the, the seed being spent of the flower, you know, and falling mm-hmm. onto the ground. And then the two and three of discs is burying in earth and slowly, you know, gaining power and sending out tendrils for new life. And then for the knight prince, I have, taking the heat of the moment in the four of wands and then ensuring its consummation in the five and six of discs. So they're all stories of a similar kind, but just a little bit different. Probably won't touch on it too much, but we should mention just a little bit about the, um, we did the time of year, but the constellations. So we've got the Taurus constellation. We talked about that all people can refer back to the, um, the Taurus Mm -hmm. beacon cards for more of that, but we should mention that because this is a prince, he kind of gets domain over one of the uh, fixed stars, um, the watch- royal watcher stars. So he gets the uh, royal watcher of the east, Aldebaran, the mm-hmm. eye of the bull. Right, that's appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Which we talked about that one in either the probably the five or the six. Five, of, six, uh, or seven. Yeah, five. Yeah, one of those. One of those. One of those Taurus cards. We talked a lot about um, Aldebaran and its meaning for sure. But you know, also as a prince, we've talked about this in other prince episodes. But he gets to all the princes get kind of this task to carry one of those powers to the princess as part of, you know, her awakening. And in this case, his is to keep silent, which is like, because he's the disc prince too, he gets all the other three rolled up into one. So he takes will, love, and reason and puts it into action Mm -hmm. as part of his um, task. Right. He has the force of his father in the form of his mother. So he's able to apply his effort across time. And also as a prince, the other thing we've talked about before is every one of the prince cards has this... Six? Is that where you're going? Where you're going? No, but that too. Kind of, of because every one of the prince cards has a five and a six. Mm -hmm. And they're always like very opposite in meanings. Yes. You know? So the card five of this worry, it's traditional, was um, 
material troubles. Right. And then we have material success, the six of discs. Right. And they're like opposite sides of, of something. And all the princes, their fives and sixes are like that. They're like the opposites that they're wrestling with in their, in their psychology. Right. Right. And that's interesting because it's almost their job to equilibrate between the two. And when you think about where you go between the fifth Sephira and the sixth, that is the path of justice or adjustment. Mm-hmm. So, and he's airy, you know, yeah. all princes are airy. So there's that job of, um, maybe that's one of the abstract qualities of airs, the ability to equilibrate and balance out. Mm. Which also makes sense the princes being associated with the six uh, mm-hmm. and to fear it at the center of the tree, harmony, balance, all that kind of becomes their role. Tefera Dinasia is the, you know, beauty. Connected to both supernals on either end of the tree. Yeah, right, right in the center. And then bringing it down to Malkut. Right. That role of like funneling down the best qualities of the upper realms mm-hmm. down to earth. Yeah, as the sun collects the sort of divine light from above and then you know, reflects it down below into the microcosm. So as if there is a particular Deccan that's even more associated with him than the others, it's probably the six because sure. he is a six, yeah. because he's solar. Um, that gives him a special relationship to the success card or material success card. Yeah, I, I'm trying to sort of think a little bit more about his like shadow Deccan qualities the if four of wands is completion, it's almost like he can't afford to rest. That's exactly it. Because mm-hmm. if he thought things were complete, he wouldn't continue to work to perfect things. That is his skill to to mm-hmm. to keep to keep on working at things and, and trying to make them better. If he thought they were already perfect and completed, he loses his incentive to work. Right, right. I think the four qualities are always a little bit stable, but the four of wands in particular is very temporary. You know, there's yeah. sort of like a moment of respite in the middle of great difficulty. And if you stop there, then, you know, the difficulties will overcome you in the five. You'll become Ferdinand the, <laughs> Ferdinand the bull. I love Ferdinand the bull. laying around in the field chewing a some grass yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gets this inertia quality if he doesn't keep moving. Mm, that's true of, of all princes. If they get beguiled by whatever the promise of the four is, then they can't do their work that leads them to the balance of the six. I forgot to mention it when we were talking just about the constellation with the, with the um, royal star there. The Golden Dawn description mentions specifically also in that area of the Zodiac the constellation for Perseus, ah, which really? I thought was interesting just in terms of, you know, the story of Perseus and Andromeda, which is what the Golden Dawn put on their lover's card. It kind of made me think of the Four of Wands completion with the Venus-Mars things and the two lovers. And I was trying to think if there was a parallel here, but I'm not quite sure. But there's some connection, you know, since yeah. he's he's got that um, constellation of Perseus in there and the fact that the lover's card, which is the marriage of the Venus and Mars, mm-hmm. you know, the emperor and empress. Yeah, there's definitely a... Perseus Andromeda connection yeah. somewhere in there. I, right. I can't quite work it out, but there's a reason why 
both the Golden Dawn and other sources have sort of depicted those two as the lovers. Right. And the yeah. fact that this is his domain, maybe it just has something to do with the whole procreative thing that's so much a part of his whole deal. Interesting. It's something to think on anyway. Isn't Perseus also the hero who was conceived in the Shower of Gold? Yes. By Danae, yeah, which is right. very... <laughs> which is very, very weird. Yeah. <laughs> very weird and Zeus, suggestive Zeus and solar and sexual. Right. <laughs> yeah. All of those things. Yep. Yeah. Well, as far as Taurus imagery goes, I think we're going to see a lot of it. But I wanted to talk a little bit about the idea of the ox as opposed to the bull. Mm-hmm. Because we see oxen in this, you know, mm-hmm. in this card. And... You know, bulls and ox are obviously similar, but not the same. And Mm -hmm. I think that when you transform a bull to an ox by castrating it, what you're doing is you're taming it. You're Mm -hmm. making it more peaceful in nature. And to me, that actually has some of the resonance of the hierophant in it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's sort of like you take the sacred virile bull and you convert it to a different kind of sacred spiritual strength. Um, by sacrificing part of the bull. And there's the connection to the fool as well. Yes, the ox. The ox yeah, and the ox. The, yeah. uh, Hebrew translation of Aleph, mm-hmm. the fool's letter. Mm-hmm. And the idea of the fool as the element of air and him being the prince, which is air of, in this case, earth. There's definitely something there. And also, I've heard that the ox has been considered the symbol of the priest. So there's another hierophant connection. And then there's the connection to adjustment or justice. Exactly. Which we are already talking about with the ox goad. And it's interesting to think about how the solar connection in that it was, you know, the oxen of Apollo that Hermes stole Mm -hmm. right at the beginning, right? He only could appease Apollo by giving him the lyre that he made from the tendons of the oxen. Yeah. So it's like, well, sorry, but, <laughs> you know, and therefore you have that tying into, you know, Apollo, the lord, not just of the solar oxen, but of music and harmony mm-hmm. and redressing the balance. And also Apollo as the twin of Artemis and that lunar quality when the yeah. moon exalted in Taurus. So exactly. That as yeah. well. Yeah, the, the ox and the bull are, it's it's just interesting that they're both considered sacred in different ways. And if the bull is strength itself, the, the ox is a kind of peaceful form of strength, which seems very Venusian. Mm. Oh, I just jotted down sort of the different god associations from 36 heirs that Austin Kopic mentions in 36 faces. Um, the four of wands being associated with Eros, the five of discs with the charites or litai, and then the six of discs with the hore. So there's uh, the mm. hours. So there's sort of like that, again, that story of attraction and then to ripening things in their season. Mm-hmm. A very sweet succession of <laughs> benevolent deities in that. Yeah. Oh, uh, Ateya. As in other knights and prince, there aren't really cardomantic associations because the playing cards of course, have Night Queen Jack, and Jack is associated with page or princess rather than knight or prince. So we tend to skip over those uh, for the knight or prince ones. But Ateya, oh, well, it's pretty boring. <laughs> Duh. Uh, they, just like him. Yeah, just like him. Associates this card with usefulness, advantage, interest, profit. Reverse with pose, apathy, inertia. 
pretty much what you'd expect. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting that those profit and interest things, it's sort of like this is the good side of money that's sitting around doing nothing. And the bad side is like when nothing happens because you're not doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, good for money, bad for people, the different sides of stillness. So uh, one thing I've noticed yeah. about Taurus natives in general is that they all do seem to like the finer things, the comfortable things. Mm-hmm. They, they, they're very creatures of um, comfort. Like they're the type that want their fabrics to feel good oh, as yeah. well as look good. Oh, you know yeah. what I mean? They have to be the cashmere. <laughs> they want the cashmere. They don't want the uh, rayon or yeah. whatever. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For sure. And they do not get started fast. <laughs> So my husband's a Taurus, and when he was little, he used to play with his cousin. I don't know what his cousin's sign was. Randy would say, this is my husband, he would say, let's go out and play. And his cousin would be, okay, let's go. And he's ready in a flash. And 10 minutes later, Randy's still tying his shoes. And his cousin used to call him lightning. (laughs) (laughs) But the flip side of that is the immense patience and the immense Mm -hmm. strength and the ability to be thorough Mm -hmm. And persistent through a difficult task or really any task, you know. Unperturbable, Mm -hmm. I've noticed too. Yeah. That there's definitely, you can't really flap them too easily, you know. (laughs) Which is very useful. It it really. (laughs) For us mutables. Especially in a a situation where other people are more likely to get stressed Mm -hmm. really easily. They're, They're calm, even tempers yeah can be a real asset and maybe that's because of those qualities of like the polarity of worry and success or trouble and success it's like they know the whole gamut so nothing phases yeah 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 so um wait smith we have this guy who looks weirdly like the thoth niter King. Yeah, like like we were talking about there. Like this is one where you just want to flip them and put put this guy over with them, and we'll, really take, we'll take the king and put him over here next to <laughs> next to these guys. Yeah, with the black horse. Yeah, again a Shire horse, somebody yep. who's pretty stolid. And Wade is just as um, kind of condescending and insulting as Crowley is about these court cards of the discs. He says, he rides a slow, enduring, heavy horse to which his own aspect corresponds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he exhibits his symbol but does not look therein, like as if he's too dumb. You know, I, I like this guy. I always call him arugula head because <laughs> it looks like he's got <laughs> lettuce in his helmet. And his, his even his horse, his horse has a little has lettuce. arugula on his head, too. <laughs> Here I thought they were oak leaves, but that makes much more sense. <laughs> he's saving a snack for later. <laughs> Which you is a quality of Taurus. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Pete has moon in Taurus, and that guy will not go anywhere without a snack. <laughs> Just in case, you never I'm know. I'm like, really? You're not going to starve to death? <laughs> I think he's convinced he might. Yeah, you wouldn't want to be stuck somewhere without, you know, your little thing. In you your wouldn't want to be with a Taurus when they're hungry. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. So when you think about what's on the helmets of the other knights, they're all kind of appropriate to their sign, too. Like the knight of wands and Rider Wade Smith has like a flame plume that it looks a lot like a flame. And then the um the Knight of Cups has these weird blue wing type mm-hmm. things. Yep. You know, um almost mercurial. Yeah. Yeah. And then the swords guy has that red feather for like blood and you know the death card and the yeah. fool card. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then and the sun. 
Yep, and, and the sun. And then this guy's got his lettuce. <laughs> lettuce head. <laughs> I love that she was like, okay, what looks sort of like a feather or plume but is related to Earth? Lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly enough, we have a similar sort of parallel that we had in the Queens where the the Knights of Pentacles and Cups in Rider-Waite-Smith both face in one direction and the Wands and Swords ones face in the other, mm. which is kind of interesting. It's almost like, I don't know what you want to say about right versus left in Waite-Smith. Sometimes we consider that a time thing, pre- yeah. present, uh, future and past. If that's the case, because usually in Rider Waite, I believe facing to the left. So this would be past because they did it the opposite because they were using Hebrew directions of uh, directional. I've so, seen that. So to the left, because you read Hebrew to the left, they usually that the forward facing ones like the Knight of Wands would be facing left. Whereas it's kind of the opposite of what we do in Western thinking, where facing yeah. right is future oriented and facing left is past oriented. They do it the opposite way well, of, you know, often. I have heard that. Although I've used it both ways, you know, mm-hmm. depending I know, on... know, it's kind you know, of strange. I think it's sort of like like a lot of stuff in interpretation and in sort of like oracular traditions generally, it's sort of like what you're most saturated with that you use and for whatever reason it works no matter what. Sort yeah. of like, you mm-hmm. know, sidereal or tropical, it's going to work no matter right. what. It's just going to say it in a different way. Exactly. Definitely, if you line up the aces, yod heh vav heh, right to left, you see a pattern. But you also see a pattern the other way. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) it depends how you want to do it. I like thinking of this guy as looking into the future because of his qualities of worry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, he's always anticipating what could possibly go wrong. True. (laughs) The other thing that's really important about this horse is that all four hooves are on the ground, which is not the case in any of the other ones. I think the cups one, he's got one hoof off and the others are all sort of in motion. Yeah, they're solidly planted. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. (laughs) If you make me, I'll do the plowing. Otherwise, I'm good. (laughs) Oh, and you know, it's also kind of interesting. If you look at the way he's holding the pentacle, that's basically the way the ace of pentacle Mm -hmm. looks. Yep. You know, it's it's like he took that pentacle and went through the garden gate of Ryder Wade Smith, Ace of Pentacles, and now here he is um, taking the opportunity offered in that ace. The horse as a black horse, I think, kind of has to do with the fertility of the land. I see that as black as fertility. And black as being the color of earth, of earth, you know, it's... Um, yeah, the- yeah. One of the four colors of Malkut and the earthiest of the earth colors is the pure black. Kind of interesting that isn't the uh, Thoth King Knight of Wands on a black horse too? Yes. Yeah, and which I think when we talked about it, we talked about is that connection between wands and discs and yep. pentacles that we see a lot. Yeah. Uh, he has those um, those very neatly plowed fields in back of him that is clearly cultivated land, not... And there's nothing yet really growing on them. They're just plowed like they would be in the spring. In the spring, yeah. right. Right. And I'm also struck by those two trees um, yeah. on the horizon. And when we were talking about Perseus and the lovers, seeing those two trees made me think of the tree of life and the tree of knowledge. You know, yeah. the, the lover's card um, in Rider Waite references those. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm trying to remember. I was reading about the two trees also. <laughs> they also look like clubs, don't they? They look like clubs, don't they? Yeah. So that possible connection with clubs, yeah. playing card clubs, and 
uh, coins or pentacles. What's he sitting on? That sort of yellowy sort of. I don't know if that's thing. just the just the saddle blanket, saddle bags or something. Yeah. It's kind of an elaborate thing. Yeah, there's not really much in this card other than the elaborate trappings of the horse. <laughs> yeah, she kind of went to town on the horse's garb. I think that there's something really different about the way this horse is outfitted. You know what else is weird with the two trees, too? Um, yeah. Now, we talked about how this card and the king of pentacles mm-hmm. almost seem like they should be switched when you compare them yeah. to the other cards. Yeah. Well, two trees... Also show up in the nine of discs, which is that's which what is we the were thinking about. Yeah, which is the king of pentacles decan, not this guy's. So that's weird, huh? Yeah, that is a bit weird. Well, it's interesting that there's a reference to them because the tree of knowledge and the tree of life and death—that's sort of an air and earth thing, right there, right? Yep, you I know? can see that for sure. Just the way that we associate knowledge with. The mind and airy things. Like, for example, on the star card, you see the tree of knowledge, I think. We we consider it with the bird of thought on top of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I'm just sort of comparing his horse trappings with the other knights. And it looks more to me like this horse is not built for speed. <laughs> You know, yeah, he's just sort of like he's decked out for a parade or something. Yeah, and he's got a a pretty comfortable, elaborate seat compared mm. to the other knights. I did say Taurus likes yeah. their comforts. <laughs> I mean, those got to be some velvet trappings or something too. <laughs> yeah, he has sort of a a red over surplus or something mm-hmm. over his uh, over his armor, and he seems kind of short if you compare him to mm. uh, Knight of Wands or. Knight yeah, true. Look at his feet. Short only little legs. To the horse's belly, whereas yeah. in the Knight of Wands, his feet are almost Could as long almost as be the a horse's. Kid. Yeah. He and the Knight of Cups both have sort of bent knee stance yep. on the horse, where the others are have their legs at full extension, yep. sort of pushing the horse to do things. Well, it's a pretty basic card. There's it is. not really a lot in the Rider Waite version to riff on. Just trying to see if there's anything to pick up on the majors or minors. Mm, that's a good it. idea. Well, you know, I mean, both the Emperor and the Hierophant are very stationary <laughs> cards, yeah. so there's that. Yeah, they're both solidly planted on their thrones there. Mm-hmm. No, I don't really see anything else really suggestive. I like the Arugula head, but I always thought they were <laughs> oak leaves, but Probably. I like Arugula oh. better. <laughs> well, they do sort of look similar, you know, uh, arugula and oak leaves. Because I was thinking, you know, oak king and holly king yeah. kind of thing. The oak king is more the, you know, spring. All right. So let's see. I guess we can look at Thoth. You know, I would not do that kind of work in that kind of clothing. <laughs> I thought he was naked. Yes, that's what I mean. Oh. <laughs> Birthday suit. <laughs> yeah. You know, that just doesn't seem safe. Uh, great energy brought to bear upon the most solid of practical matters. Energetic and enduring, a capable manager. Clothed, wait a second. He says clothed in light armor. That armor. That's gotta be the lightest armor I ever saw. <laughs> that, that's, it's yeah. It's so light, it's only on his head. It's, this is the emperor's light armor, man. <laughs> I mean, as in the emperor's new clothes. Right. Well, he has a helmet on. Yeah, I don't think Crowley ever looked at this card. I mean, come on. <laughs> Honestly. But he did get his helmet with the bull, crowned the with the head of a bull. bull, and there yeah, it is. A winged bull. Yeah, the bull of Mithras. 
Oh yeah, we should talk right. a little. We should talk about Mithras. Mithras. What do you want to say about Mithras? I have a little quote about Mithras. It says, "Out of his body grows all the plants and herbs that adorn the earth with verdure, and from his seeds spring all the animal species." Nice. That about wraps it up. <laughs> <laughs> Vegetation god, yep. generative god. Yep. And uh, then there's a, a other Mithras tale that says the bull is um, sacrificed by Mithras and from its blood spring up all the seeds and plants and animal life. So I'm mm-hmm. not sure which came from his blood or his seed or the bull's blood and seed. But either way, same thing. All the plants, all the animals. Yeah. Fertility, resurrection. Yeah. Life from death. Sounds very same familiar. Old, same, old, same, <laughs> same old shit. Old shit. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that's kind of interesting is that Crowley makes the distinction between the bull on his helmet and the ox that's drawing his cart. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like his ability to govern and rule is represented by the tamed ox. Mm. You know, the taking that strength of the bull and converting it to stable, fixed energy in the form of the peaceful ox, which Crowley says is particularly sacred to the element of Earth. Oh, and he's got, he's carrying stuff. Yeah, I always hear the uh, theme for the Celtics when I see that. It looks like a basketball. (laughs) (laughs) To me. That's really funny. But it's not a basketball. It just looks like one. Well, what Crowley said was it's a globe marked with mathematical symbols as if to imply the planning involved in agriculture. Yeah, I see a cube in the center of it, so cube for Earth. Oh, is there? Yep. Yeah. If you look really close. You know what this reminds me of? I see a cross, like a plus sign, uh, going through the east and west and north mm-hmm. and south axes. Mm-hmm. And then I see three circles, one going vertical, mm-hmm. one going horizontal, and then one enclosing them. When we first moved here, I had a distant relation by marriage who was staying with us, a young guy named Ludovic, who was French. He was a farmer, and he was talking about how his family did like corn and soy, well, soy and I don't know what else, but how they use GPS to do the fields, like you see when you're like flying over croplands in the Midwest. And this reminds me of like the GPS that you have to use to mark the fields and plow them like accurately. A gyroscope kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. It almost does look like a gyroscope. You know, there's a, there's an abstract principle being applied to the materials of the earth that mm. you know you're imposing a grid or a plan or something that's you know, just from your head over something that wants to grow in a sort of natural and uncontrolled way. That air of earth quality seems to be represented by that to me. What about his uh, his holy hand grenade? <laughs> yeah, I think Crowley says it's the symbol of the great work accomplished in dominion over yeah. the earth or something like that. Something like that. Because it's very much like the emperor, holy mm-hmm. hand grenade. That's quite a vehicle he's driving. It's a bit pigeon-toed. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it would go anywhere fast. It it looks like the wheels would converge exactly. and smash the, bo- the ox. <laughs> pigeon-toed. They're both pointed in at a weird angle, like one of those grocery carts you get when the, yeah. the wheel doesn't want to go in the right way. Yeah, yeah, and you can even see that in the tracks underneath them. Hey, there's some really cool stuff in the background. The background is awesome. Oh, I've never looked at that before. We- tons of... Uh, seed pods, cross sections of seed pods. That's cool. Like like fruit mm-hmm. cut in half and seeds cut in half. And I see it's almost like the rings of a tree going outward. Yeah. She put all kinds of they stuff look, in they there. They mostly look like seed pods of various types. Right. Um, all different types. The scattering of seed. And those bubbles. Mm-hmm. See all those brown bubbles? Yeah. Um, 
kind of behind him, packing peanuts. <laughs> well, according to Snuffin's book, he calls them globules of nitrogen. Which, mm-hmm. oh, okay. I, yeah, I can see air that. Fixed yeah. soil, so air fixed air, in air soil, air fixed air of air of earth. You know, so okay, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. wouldn't have thought of them as globules of nitrogen until he told me that. That's kind of neat, but could be. Yeah, yeah, because uh, air, air, and earth. Yeah, air of earth. And it's true, like when you're growing legumes, mm-hmm. which you can see like those little nodules. Thing, those nodules, you can actually add a an enzyme or something. I'm yeah, sure. those a, that a, powdered, organism. Um, I forget what they call it now, but I forget um, too. It, it basically allows the plant to draw more nitrogen down from the air into the earth and fix it into the soil. That thing that you sprinkle in the pea trenches to yeah, help the peas right. uptake nitrogen. I can't think of the name of I it. I can't either. It's driving me nuts. All the gardeners are yelling it out right now <laughs> as they're, they're listening. Like... <laughs> We're tired. We We're can't tired. think of it right now. Yeah. But yeah, I put that stuff in with my peas and beans to... Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes them grow better and then it makes the soil better. I do that too, but then something comes along on Memorial Day and eats all my peas anyway. Hate that thing. Woodchuck, I think. Yeah, I was just about to say woodchuck. <laughs> yeah, probably. Anyway, so I I think it's really funny that Lady Frida did not have an easy time of this card. She called him a devil. He is engendering a nervous breakdown in me, coupled with starvation, as he gives me no time to eat, which is sort of ironic. Yeah. Mm. Uh, Lon Milo Duquette called him the ultimate handyman. Yeah. Yeah. Was it Crowley? Somebody said, I think it was Crowley, that he's constantly seeking out new uses for common things. Yeah. And that seems like a handyman type of, you know, MacGyver-ish quality. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think of that. Ingenious thrifty quality of the Yankee farmer, you know, yeah. repurposing things yep. and uh, trying to make things work, rarely buying things new, <laughs> making things work and being really good at fixing things that go wrong as well. Uh, so but if taking... you do buy something new, you're with an eye towards quality and longevity, because mm-hmm. sometimes it makes more sense to buy the more expensive thing that will last you longer in right. the long run than to buy the cheap thing that you're going to have to buy again next year. And exactly. Taurus is really good at seeking value for their mm-hmm. money and safeguarding that value too i think mm-hmm. there's like the concept of insurance was probably <laughs> devised oh, yeah, by a tourist for sure. <laughs> for sure yeah weirdly enough there's also the the bull of the you know the bull market which i guess investing the theme of investing and is, success is, and yeah and security mm-hmm. is there although i personally don't see much security in, in <laughs> that long-term. in that activity myself mm. <laughs> What did you make of that sort of long rant Crowley went on about the oh, Black yeah. Lodge? He seemed very upset about something. Yeah, he, yeah, he, you're right. Um, I wasn't going to go there, but if you want to, you might let's as well do just it. mention might it because well. you know if you go to read the entry in Book of Thought, there's several paragraphs where he seems to be talking about his problems with. I think it's Christianity what he means by the Black yeah, Lodge. Yeah, yeah. There are actually Black Lodges in mysticism, you know, left hand path type mm-hmm. things, and Freemasonry mm-hmm. is uh, for one. But I think what Crowley was specifically doing was just expressing his disapproval of the restrictions of. Orthodox Christianity, which he loved to do. I, I think it was specifically because of its demonization of the flesh kind yeah. of a thing, which he was really... He was against that. Against that <laughs> in every way possible. And then he goes on this sort of long rant about the moon being exalted in Taurus. Every disc is a living and revolving symbol. Yeah, and there's a lot more of a dullness. But it says he may appear dull, but he is not. 
but he makes no effort to under to understand ideas which are beyond his scope, which sounded very much like what Waite said about the, about uh, the, the other night, one. The yeah. other one, another kind of conflation of the two. Oh, yeah, that's okay. I see where you are with all the, the error of the Christian mystics stuff. <laughs> yeah, he does go on quite a rant there, doesn't he? He really does. I mean, it's, it's part of his whole sort of defense of the devil pan principle. Which I think is what makes him such a bugaboo for a lot of people nowadays, not understanding that, you know, really, he was he was just very pro-sex, which was hard to do at his time. It was a hard position to take. I do like what he what he has to say, though. What he, I think he, one of the things he's trying to get at is about not differentiating between things, you know, mm-hmm. um, when he says that it's cardinal to the great work for the adept so to order affairs that even the evil germs of matter shall alike become useful and good. And then towards the very end of the paragraph, he's talking about, you know, some of the quotes, such as every number is infinite, there is mm-hmm. no difference. This idea that anything in matter can can serve a good purpose or an evil purpose, right. there is really no difference. I think it was really a sort of um, blow against demonization of pleasure and life, that part of uh, repressive Christianity. Oh, we should talk about the hexagram. We should, yeah. 53. Hexagram 53, Jin, that is, which is the trigram Shun over Gen, which is... So Shun is funny because that's the air trigram, it's wind, but sometimes it's translated as wood, which is weird. And then Gen is... Unless you think of wood instruments, which are wind. Yeah, woodwinds. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, but I think what the idea was with assignation of wood to the same trigram as wind is that there's a kind of wood that's, you know, it's flexible, it's mm-hmm. bendy and limber. Mm-hmm. And that's what you imagine like uh, young saplings blowing in the wind. What that reeds. was about. Reeds. Hollow reeds. I have something about gradual development yep, here. That's what I have too. Gradual development or gradual progress. Which seems very, very much, much like him. Yeah, <laughs> very gradual. Yeah, slow, slow, steady emancipation, endurance, things of that nature. <laughs> Wild geese gradually approaching the shore. One thing that I found in sort of the commentary on the I Ching uh, that I use by Alfred Huang is that there's a Jin River in China that apparently, you know, it's one of those rivers that starts from a springhead somewhere in the mountains and then as it travels towards the ocean it grows wider and wider and vaster and covers more territory so that's sort of the implacable forward progress and growth of this card one thing too to point out is that we've kind of talked about before how this there are certain cards that really embody the um, divine name. And those are the ones that are fire of fire, water of water, air of air, and earth of earth. This isn't one of those, but it's interesting that he's the natural consort of hey, final, earth of earth, in a sense. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Her earth of earth would be paired. He's the vav Mm -hmm. of earth. So he would be her natural kind of pair rather than the heir of air guy, the uh, the prince of swords. One thing that's kind of interesting that Crowley doesn't mention is that the geomantic figure associated with this is a missio loss, which at first doesn't seem to make sense. But then when you consider that it's five of pentacles or mm. five of discs associated with this, it starts to seem a little bit more mm. sensible. There has to be a um, an awareness of loss in order to yeah. Succeed. And that's kind of interesting, too, in that, you know, Taurus's motto is I have. Well, what's the opposite of that is to not have, to, <laughs> right. to, to lose, right? right? right. So, you know, the two sides of the same 
thing. You know, so emissio is 1.2.1.2. Dot, 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 and the opposite of that with the 2121 is acquisitio, gain, which mm-hmm. I guess is pretty much uh, what you would expect. Which is the Knight of Wands, I believe. Is it? So you think it might be associated with Leo? Sagittarius. Oh, sorry, sorry. When you say knight, you mean knight. That yeah. kind of knight. Yes. Um, <laughs> the other kind of knight. <laughs> that sounds familiar. Yeah. Jupiter and Sagittarius, the day sign of Jupiter. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. So there's an opposition between um, between the nocturnal sign of Venus and the diurnal sign of Jupiter. Taurus versus Sagittarius. Amissio versus Acquisitio. And, uh, and Amissio is generally considered a not very fortunate sign as you would sort of expect it is however favorable for love or in situations where loss is desired but very unfavorable for gain and it's interesting it's not one of this guy's decans but if you just consider that as amissio as being associated with taurus then there's the seven of discs included in that mix oh yeah well that's which true. seems mm-hmm. pretty pretty aligned with with that yeah i don't have anything else on him do you oh i think i think we got it all right okay uh how about uh tabula mundi all right now we have another uh bull guy yeah he's beautiful green and fertile valley yep he's got the the hills behind him of malkut lots of them (laughs) sunrise or sunset that's a good question i would say sunrise Mm mm-hmm well, we'll start with the court crest. That's easy. Yep. Oh, it's funny that you've got the lyre of the moon there when we were yep. talking about the lyre of the sun. Yeah, <laughs> lyre of the sun and moon, yeah. actually, because they, they're both associated with the lyre. Right. A winged princely figure seated in a chariot drawn by a bull. He bears as a crest the symbol of a winged bull's head. Beneath the chariot is land with many flowers. In one hand, he bears an orb of gold held downwards, and in the other, a scepter surmounted by an orb and cross. Mm-hmm. So he's got the holy hand grenade. <laughs> yeah, symbol of dominion although, over Earth. Although instead of holding a disc of gold, I put him a disc of copper. For Venus. Yeah, copper for mm-hmm. Venus. Yeah, so from the uh, Four of Wands completion, if you look at the front of his chariot, it's got the compass and ruler from the Four of Wands card as kind of a motif Kind of like the hood ornament on his yeah. chariot. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and um, and then from the five of discs, worry, you have the bullhead of worry, mm-hmm. um, the winged bullhead directly from that card with the the vav on its forehead. And then from the six of discs, success, you have that liar kind of behind the um, the bull's head for both the lunar and the solar qualities of Apollo and Artemis and the mm-hmm. harmony and harmony of Tiferet, the six of dis success. And the keys. And the keys from the Hierophant, yes, mm-hmm. uh, of silver and gold. Again, more solar, solar lunar stuff going on because we have, obviously, we have the lunar stuff from the, the moon's exaltation in Taurus and, you know, the moon's, the t- bull's horns, look very much like um the yeah. moon yeah and then the solar stuff because of the fact that he's a prince which is associated with the sixes and to ferret and, and the sun, the sun. Mm-hmm. he's got some 
echinacea flowers on. I've, I was going to say uh, cone flowers. The, yeah. yeah <laughs> the hub of his uh, chariot wheels. Nice. Why echinacea? I don't know. Well, there's something about, they're also, you know, very good for maintaining health and immunity, you know. Exactly. You you use the root, which is Mm -hmm. uh, the part that you use for um, tincturing, for keeping yourself from getting sick. So there's some association there with the body and and health. I was thinking that, you know, the the fact that you have the compass and ruler on your four of wands is kind of more appropriate in the sense of this is air applied to earth, you know, that ability to measure and apply intelligence to to matters of the earth. Yeah, and this guy too, a lot of descriptions of him, they call him, they associate him with accountancy and, you know, counting. So when I think of counting, I also think of measuring and you do do use rulers. You don't use compasses so much, but in accounting, you do use rulers here and there and... um, yeah. I could even see some architectural things building and stuff being kind of absolutely kind of appropriate for this card. And also the the um the copper thing he's holding, it makes me think of like counting your pennies, you know, the yeah. the accounting stuff. When I wrote mm-hmm. a um little article about this card a while ago, I think I called it to sow copper and reap gold. And it was oh, sort nice. of about the transition between the four of wands uh, with Venus and copper and then coming out at the six of discs mm-hmm. success with the gold and the solar influence. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what this guy does. He, he, he counts his pennies and bides his time and, and develops them into something that's worth more over time. With interest. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. He looks very powerful, kind of barrel chested. Yeah. He's actually like kind of having to kneel down in that chariot because he's such oh, a big is dude. That's what's going on. Yeah. He's oh, kind of he's kind of kneeling down because he's a huge man in a tiny chariot because <laughs> it was hard to draw him standing up in there because it, the card wouldn't have fit all the elements. And I like the way the bull kind of, he's got his really head down. It's a, it's almost that, like we talked about in the night, the nose to the grindstone, but yeah. the bull kind of looks like he's really pulling and, and you know. I love strength, that bull. The strength of the bull. He is, seems so friendly and he has such good intentions he and good he's working face. so hard. Yeah. <laughs> he looks very willing. Yeah. yeah, that's the bull you want. Yeah. I'm interested in the fact that, this is kind of something I noticed on the night, kings of thought that all of your princes except the prince of wands got wings probably is that from the description probably from the description but isn't that interesting that that's a thing that like the wands one's different exactly that is interesting that the wand one is different you know your princes have different kinds of wings depending on after their nature Mm -hmm. but I, i think that's interesting because they're all of air and perhaps all but the wands one have to aspire upward although he has a winged helm Mm-hmm. And no, that that's was, true. That was from the description. And he has a winged helm, too. Two of them were described in that way. A winged helm versus a winged body. I wonder if that has anything to do with, you know, the mind versus the body, where the wings are placed. Yeah, maybe so. And I like the way, you know, the Prince of Discs versus Cups, you can think of that as sort of sunrise versus sunset, Taurus, Scorpio mm-hmm. opposites. Yep. Mm-hmm. Definitely east yeah. and west. Yeah, the watcher of the east and the watcher of the west. Exactly. You can sort of set them up so they're looking at each other skeptically. The other thing I've seen about this card is that these bull individuals have a really um, great love of nature, very down to earth and, and comfortable in the land. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and something we haven't mentioned, although we did mention the sexy six. Just they have a sensuality about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More than is probably obvious, you know, 
at first glance. They might seem very practical and stuff, but I think if you get to know them better, there's a real sensuality there. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's not like right up in your face like yeah, Scorpio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's more exactly. sort of like just beneath yeah. beneath the surface. Yeah. yeah. What about his uh, male? Looks like he's got, he's, he's pretty well protected. Yeah, he's definitely got male on. He's very burly too. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. He looks like he could out drink just about anybody. Yes. <laughs> yep. And eat. Drink yeah. and eat and probably pretty lusty as well. Doesn't shave too often. Slow to rouse. I think what they say about the bull is that he's slow to rouse, but furious oh, if so. Oh, yeah. You don't want to get them mad. Yeah. yeah. It takes a lot, though, yeah. to get them to that state. I'm going to put him up here and look at him next to the majors and minors for a second. Yeah. yeah, the emperor and the hierophant. Yeah, two very masculine... Very masculine deal going on there, and yet in the sign of Venus, yeah, and and yet the um the rulers of the decans, Venus, the Moon, and Mercury, mm. none of which are particularly masculine. Even yeah. Mercury is kind of a hermaphrodite. Yeah, the the hierophant has always been a funny fit with Venus. It's there, but it's mm-hmm. it's always been a little bit. You have to dig for it a little bit. Although it's really Taurus and not Venus. There's that yeah. distinction. It's really easy yeah. to start. Using the exact same attributions for the planet and the sign, and it, that's a danger. Well, you know, it's not exactly you, the same. When you think about the two signs, the two majors ruled by Venus, though, you know, if you think about the Hierophant and Justice, they don't feel the way the Empress, right? You know, you, know, you would expect them to feel more, you know, yeah. empressy, right? Right. More abstract qualities, I guess. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the the beauty of symmetry in Libra and the sort of, um, I don't know, there's something about the, the, the desire to connect in the Hierophant, maybe. Mm-hmm. But uh, but if you want to find Venusian qualities, you have to look to the Venus card. The Directly, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Whereas if you look at, you know, the Marshall cards, the Emperor and the Death, you know, that feels much more direct mm-hmm. as as expressions of Mars than the Hierophant. And justice or adjustment do. The wily nature of Venus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cryptic. Oh, Lord. So um, I get this all the time. How about you? <laughs> yeah, I get it a lot. You get it a lot. Yeah, I do, yeah. actually. Does he just tell you to do shit? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I kind of tend to roll my eyes when I get them because I'm like, oh. You gotta be kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Not you again. I gotta I mean, I gotta do shit. <laughs> don't I do enough? <laughs> I had this phase in like, I don't know, 2015, 2016, where he was acting up. Like, I would find him falling out of the deck, like on the floor, more than once and for long stretches. Yep. And when I found him, I would be like, okay, this is a call to clean up. <laughs> you know, this is like, focus your attention on the home. Stop getting, get your head off the internet, get your head yeah. out of whatever it is you're doing yep. and just focus on what you have to accomplish for the day. You know, and it mm-hmm. was always like boring tasks, not like, you know, creating something or composing something or writing something that is you know, challenging but interesting. Yeah, in another no, way. it's always it was, like, yeah, cleaning the stove or yeah, stupid right. shit like that. Exactly. <laughs> I totally agree because that's when I get this card. That's why I'm like, oh. yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. All I have is like chores, chores, chores. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did have one nice one in 2015 where the day that Zoe learned how to 
finally figured out how to ride her bike after, you know, weeks oh, of lessons. Oh, that's kind of cool, yeah. So, you know, night at Prince's. Chariot, wheels. Yeah, exactly. It was really cute because she was like, you know, I had been trying all these different methods I'd looked up online to, like, build confidence and stuff, and, and nothing was happening after six weeks. And then all of a sudden, she got her feet on the pedals, and she's like, I'm going, I'm going. I still remember the <laughs> yeah. first time. It is that quite a feeling, feeling. yeah, yeah that, quite yeah, yeah, a yeah. feeling when you're, it's almost like you're airborne. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Air of Earth. Air of Earth, <laughs> air of Earth, pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, boring stuff, but I do get it a lot, I guess, because there's a lot of boring stuff in my life. There is yeah. a lot of boring stuff in life. The amount of effort it takes just to keep things running. It's always just practicalities that seem to come up for this card. And I used to think it was a cleaning card. Death is more my cleaning card, but this is like having to sort things out and organize do them. Do your taxes. And, yeah, do your taxes. <laughs> Count I always, your pennies. When I see this guy come up in readings for other people, I'm always like, okay, this is the guy who makes you floss, you know, and refill your tires and, you know, all the change, things that... Change the burnt out light bulb. Yeah. Right, right. yeah, yeah, all the shit you don't really want to do, but it's you have to. It's a light bulb to. for the fridge. <laughs> like who even cares <laughs> that's what us mutables are saying <laughs> i can cope with this <laughs> it's not that bad <laughs> yep all righty well i guess that's yes, we gotta that's sum that sum it up let's sum it up all right so this is uh the niter prince of pentacles or discs he is airy part of Earth, which we contrasted to his counterpart, the princess or page of swords, earthy part of air. Fixed Earth. We talked about him governing the cross-quarter holiday of Beltane, his fertility. I always call it Beltane. I'm not sure which it is. We talked a lot about bulls, <laughs> again, and oxen as well. We didn't talk about this, but I wrote down something about parsnips. <laughs> <laughs> Why? What about parsnips? I don't know, but this guy reminds me of parsnips. Yeah, okay. okay. You, you dig them up in the spring, you know, oh, yeah, around spring this time dug of parsnips. year when yep. the earth is thawed out. And, and they're extra a, sweet a, then, too. And it's a rooty thing. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And plus it has an aerial part. We talked about the bull of Mithras, the blood, marrow, and seed of either the bull or Mithras himself being the origin of plant and animal life. We talked about Aldebaran or Aldebaran, however you want to say it, the eye of the bull, the watcher of the east. Right. And we talked about the emperor and the hierophant taking the heat of the moment and the four of wands and converting it to something stable and permanent in the five and six of discs or pentacles. The taming of the bull in the Hierophant by turning his strength into useful and productive, peaceful work. We talked about a little bit of a tie-in with Perseus and the lovers. We talked about the rulership of Venus over the Shadow Deccan, Four of Wands, Venus in Aries, into the Venus-ruled sign of Taurus in the Five and Six of Discs. Uh, we talked about Teferet in Asiya, beauty in the material world. We talked about Taurus's love of fine things and comforts. <laughs> we talked about the black horse of the earth with his four feet solidly planted on the ground. And his irregular headdress. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we talked about hexagram 53 Jan, meaning gradual development we talked about globules of nitrogen or air <laughs> fixed in the soil. We talked about seeds and seed pods, sowing copper and reaping gold. 
holy hand grenades and GPS orbs. <laughs> <laughs> Finding new uses for common things and upcycling and recycling. Using measuring tools to work the land. Patience and steadfastness. We didn't talk about stubbornness, but that's in there too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we talked about uh, the geomantic figure Amissio mm -hmm. and its parallels with the five of pentacles or discs. We talked about the idea of air of earth as being the mind inclined to practical pursuits. We talked about a little bit about Crowley and the Black Lodge, his sort of going off on a rant there, and the ultimate handyman, as Lon Duquette likes to say. And the idea of all things of matter being equal in value. I think that's good. Good enough. Good enough. For good old boring Uncle Bob. <laughs> <laughs> all righty. Well, thanks for uh, getting through the squarest of square knights or princes with us. He of the slow chariot <laughs> and the arugula helmet. He of the carriage with the spinning wheel. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and we talked about the trees of life and knowledge. And we will be back next week with our final card of the entire series, the page or princess of discs or pentacles. See you then.